Hello, faithful listeners. Welcome to another episode of Soccer Not Football. As always, this is Della with my host, Daniel. Um, so this today's episode, we are going to start off uh, a little serious um, over some something that we weren't expecting to um, talk about so soon, um, but has been a major issue um, in, in world football um, for four years. And uh, this week we had two major incidents that have reared its ugly head. And uh, Daniel can provide a little bit of context for, for what it does. Yeah, so this week in the sixth match of this week's Champions League uh, between PSG and Istanbul, uh, there was an incident of racial abuse by one of the referees in the game to one of the Istanbul coaches. Um, Early in the game, it was like the 13th or 14th minute, uh, a player for PSG slid in for a tackle, and the coaches for Istanbul were kind of upset at the ref. They felt that their team had been given two yellow cards early in the game and they were just kind of, you know, yelling at the ref as coaches do. And the ref took uh, an objection to it and he called over the main referee and the main referee was kind of trying to figure out which guy, which guy was. And the assistant referee said Al Negru, which in Romanian means the black one. And it was Pierre Webbo, who is a former Cameroonian international striker and the Istanbul players took great exception to that. Um, I think Demba Ba said it best. Who's a striker for Istanbul. He, he got into it with the ref and he said, you know, if it was a white coach, you wouldn't call him a white coach. You would call him a coach. So why, when it's a black coach, do you call him black? And I think that's the, that's the main message right there the main viewpoint that i've taken to it it's that maybe the referee didn't mean to be racist when he said it maybe he wasn't you know trying to be discriminatory but he's a referee and he needs to be impartial he needs to be the one that is setting the law and making it fair for everybody but he's the one who's picking out people and pointing them out by their by their color and that's just absolutely unacceptable because Demobaw's right he's the referee is looking at him as a black man not as a man and i think that's that's the main issue that the teams took with it yeah um you definitely like uh hit hit it on the head um and the fact that usually when there are incidents like this it's between like the fans in the in the stadiums, well, with the um, with the coronavirus, there are no fans. There's so it's just stunning that you would have a match official, you know, be participating in in that type of bias, in that type of of discrimination. Um, and you're right. Um, for the Istanbul players to just stop playing. And uh, once the PSG players um, heard what was going on, heard about the situation, they 
stood right by them, and that game was suspended. They did not finish that game um, that day, and they had to reschedule without that fourth uh, match official. And obviously, um, um, so once that game restarted, um, they uh, before the match, um, both teams uh, really came together um, to take a stand that this won't be um, this won't be tolerated anymore because in previous um, events when you know black players were being discriminated against there is always the issue of uh, continuing to play or walking off the pitch I I am very glad that um, both players both teams decided that enough is enough and if you don't continue to respect our players no matter of uh, what any creed and color or background then we are not going to um we're not going to finish this out and i think that was a massive message a massive message for um uefa and fifa to understand that they are really taking the power that they have and using it uh, to to force to force change. And I hopefully we don't see any more incidents like this. But if we do, then I expect more players to take to take more of a stand. Yeah, I think they both teams set a good precedent with uh, with walking off the pitch. Um, I'm I'm very proud of PSG for standing in solidarity with Istanbul. Um, well, yeah, um, yeah. Like you said, most times players are told to get on with it whenever there's racist chants coming from the stands. And this time they said, "No, we're not. We're not going to get on with it. We're we're not going to take that, and we're going to play a game when you're not here." And I mm-hmm. 100% agree with them. And mm-hmm. they made a stand that some things are bigger than the game. This was a huge game for PSG. If they had lost in real time, there was a real chance that maybe they don't make it through to the knockouts, but they said, we don't care. We, there's some things that are, that are bigger than this game. And I'm, I'm very glad that they did that. And Mm -hmm. because things won't change until everyone takes this seriously, black players, white players, Asian players, Latino players. It's, at people in general, all Latino people, white people, Asian people, it's on all of us to to try to stop racism. It's not on just the people who are being abused. It's on every single person. And until everyone's fighting for for that equality, it's never gonna come to fruition. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, speaking of everyone really trying to come together to fight you know to to fight for injustice you know in in the football world um it, it was really um dismaying to see um another incident occur uh, just a few days ago um over the weekend um championship side millwall um was uh playing a game against um i believe derby and um before the start of the game um, both teams uh, took a knee in solidarity, um, which 
was in practice uh, in the beginning of the restart in support of uh, the Black Lives Matter movement and the other um, social justice movements that had occurred during the summer. Um, there were fans uh, in, in attendance. And when uh, they took that knee before the game, you can audibly hear uh, booing from the entire uh, Millwall Stadium. Um, it was sustained. You could audibly hear people saying, get up. And um, it just it was just a sobering reminder of um, some of the issues that had that have been occurring um, with fans in the pitch abusing abusing players and not supporting um, not supporting you know these these racial justice movements. Just think about for a second how racist you got to be to boo anti-racist messaging. That's just like yeah. absolutely abhorrent to just mm-hmm. to not even like respect their opinion just to to boo it. That is just absolutely mind-boggling to me. All those fans should be absolutely ashamed for themselves. I know it won't happen, but they should be banned to come back. That's just unacceptable behavior. And this was the first game back for most fans in England. This was the first time they'd been to a stadium in seven, eight months. And that's how, that's the reaction. Mm-hmm. And then their next game against uh, QPR, um, instead of kne- uh, kneeling again, they um, just linked um, arm in arm uh, with the QPR team, which I really feel um, is just their they're walking back on it just to avoid any um, any further backlash, and for me, that's not the way to go. Like, if you if your fans are, you know, being abusive or being disruptive and being and not being a reflection to to your to what your club represents, then you need to make that clear. And through your actions and what they did was not was not representative of that. QPR, on the other hand, you know, once they scored, like they showed what they were really about, um, scoring and uh, taking the knee in front of those very same band, fans who who booed. I thought that was sick. I saw those images on social media, and I was just like, "Damn, that's that's powerful stuff right there," because not only. Really, not only are they beating them on the field, but they're they're showing these fans like you're not going to silence us. Like we're going to stand up for ourselves. We're going to stand up for what we believe in, and no amount of your boos or jeers or or threats are going to stop us. And I thought that was that was very powerful and fair play to QPR. That was that was good on their players. Yeah, yeah, definitely, um, definitely brave on them to really come out in what felt like an en- en- enemy territory and, you know, stick and hold on to, to your beliefs. And I feel that Millwall, the club, um, the front office uh, can really take steps to, can really take a, a page out of their book. And, you know, this hasn't been, um, Racism in football has been something that's been, again, going on for decades. Um, 
we keep seeing incidents like this over and over. No, and whether it's in England or Italy or Germany or even in the States, um, where even um, homophobia has been an issue in in football. And there have been movements uh, to um, work towards um, kicking racism and homophobia out of the game. But what what can we do as you know fans and as supporters of the game to really help with those help with those movements? As fans, I think. Well, I think the issue is much. It's a much larger issue. It's a societal issue because there's there's racism, homophobia, xenophobia, and in all parts of society, and it, we're never going to be able to root out all of that just because people suck and there's always going to be shitty people out there. But people who want to see equality and want to see racism kicked out have to be more vocal and more together, and they have to find a way to to create organizations to supplement change because we are more powerful in numbers and we need to, to band together and to fight back against this. This is a war and we need to, to show these people that they're not going to take over what we love. They're not going to bring their hatred and ugliness into, into our game, into our world, into our society. Exactly. Um, there is a great organization that I just wanted to bring up, um, Kick It Out, which was established uh, as a campaign in 1993 and was formed as an organization. Um, it works within the football, educational, and community sectors to challenge discrimination and really encourage like inclusive practices of work for positive change. And it's, it plays a leading role um, in um, in tackling um, racism in football around Europe and is supported by UEFA and FIFA and is organizations like these who are really um, really sponsoring that 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 learning process and that um, to really get hate out of the game. And you know you're right. Um, it's not. It's a societal issue, and it's and it's going to take all of us to um, tackle it. And even though you know it sucks to see this still occurring, I'm I'm hopeful um, with the with what I've seen from PSG and from QPR that you know it's not totally a lost cause. A lost cause. So, I hope um, I hope more teams start walking off the field in support of their players and coaches if if incidents like this happen in the future because all the time you hear about players telling their teammates to just get on with it or to just you know ignore them or whatever but you can't tell people how to feel you know just mm-hmm. go watch that video of Demba Ba and tell me to to tell that man to calm down and to get on with it like you, you cannot do that. That's no, that's not acceptable. Yeah, yeah, and you know, um, it's like advocates for 
like that who really like inspired those those walkouts and those movements and you know we need more dembabas in this in this world you know absolutely not yeah not just not just a great player but a great advocate and you know and i just want everyone to know that you could be an advocate as well so with that said um we can jump into um champions league action um we are done with the group stage of the champions league um a little bit uh a little bit different from the champions league we all know and love with um no fans and um a different schedule but um we were able to get through all the games and now we have our um our final 16 who will make it through the knockout stage so without further ado we can um go over who is who made it out of group a um no surprise there bayern and atletico with a uh, redbird salzburg moving on to the europa league um bayern was unstoppable this season and are continuing this, their their form um and they won this group handily and they are still the contenders for um to to repeat yep bayern are continuing from where they left off uh last season's champions league as winners and they look poised to do it again. Um, they do have a few injuries through their team right now. Kimmich is still out in the midfield, but they are on top of my list to to win the competition this year. Yeah, and speaking of injuries, uh, they got a boost with the return of Alfonso Davis, who um, won Canada's Athlete of the Year award. Um, big accomplishment over there, and definitely – uh, what Bayern will, will need um, as they go to the second half of the season. Yeah, Davies definitely gives them a different outlook out there. Not only is he really good at defending with his chase back speed, but he's so good going forward. He gets by people. If you go back and look at that Barca game, he was skilling players, skilling Messi, and he just gives them such a different look, um, makes them so much more dangerous both on the counter and on defense. I'm glad to see him back healthy. Even though he is Canadian, you know, we still gotta <laughs> we still gotta root for those Concacaf players to do well in Europe. Yeah, except for except for the L three players, we don't want them to do well. But that's just me. <laughs> yeah, and um, moving on to Group B, um, Real Madrid was struggling in this group um, all um, throughout these six games, and it, there was a real chance that they could have missed out on knockout stages and even worse, just missed out on European competition entirely, but um, they were able to pull through and top the group and it turned out to be Inter who suffered the ignominy of no European competition um, with uh, Borussia joining them of their first being the first uh, time they made to knockout stages in their history and Shakhtar moving to the Europa League. I think uh, Mujingalbak will be a team that a lot of the group winners will want to face. Yeah, they're they're a solid side, but when you're in the Champions League, you're only going to be playing against really good teams. And Gladbach definitely have their flaws; they definitely have their holes. So mm-hmm. if you're if you're a Bayern, if you're a 
you know, Liverpool, Chelsea, you want to, you want to go against Gladbach in the next round. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Real definitely uh, dodged a bullet over there. Um, it was looking pretty scary for, for Zidane for a little bit, but um, this, this win and this uh, topping the group, has given him some breathing room. I can't say the same for Conte and Inter. Um, they're not tearing it up in Syria. Uh, and um, this this European disappointment will definitely raise raise some questions. I think on the on the last pod, I said they were going to crash out bottom of the group. I don't want to call myself Nostradamus or anything, but yeah, they just I I don't know what's wrong with Inter. They they got a lot of talented names on that team, but I guess. Being talented on paper doesn't mean you're good on the field. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then uh, going to Group C, um, two teams who are put their ticket um, way in advance. Uh, Inter, I mean Manchester City and Porto. Um, Manchester City has topped their group, and um, they look ready to challenge for the. Uh, for the Champions League trophy again, will they get it this year? Who, who knows? And Porto, uh, another uh, solid team, but a team that uh, the top groups would be looking to have. Yeah, uh, Stefan got a start in the dead rubber game for Man City. wasn't really asked to do much, but he kept a clean sheet. Uh, City need to find uh, a healthy striker. I think that's what they're missing right now. Aguero's kind of been struggling with injury out of form. They've been trying to play Fernand Torres up front, but he's a he's a short little guy. They don't that's not the guy they really need up front. So it'll be interesting to see if they can kind of short that out in the Premier League and translate that into the Champions League. Usually they find a way to bottle it, so I'll be expecting them to do that again this year. But maybe Pep's got something up his sleeve. Yeah, yeah. I still remember um when they were in the – it was the quarterfinal, and they were trying to come back, and Sterling missed that sitter. And then um, um, Leon immediately scored right after, and I was like, wow, they – you know, you can you can take um, the city – there's like the city it, – city-itis is still in, in that team, no matter what, you know? They always so, find a way. Always find a way. And now moving on to Group D, Liverpool and Adelana have made it through. Ajax will be moving on to the Europa League. Um, Liverpool, uh, they are still struggling with some injuries. They're getting some players back, um, which is promising. Salah is back. Uh, Alexander Arnold, who captain of the last game, has come back as well. And uh, they're challenging for... They look like uh, they're starting to look like their regular selves again, you know, challenging for the Premier League, challenging for um, definitely one of the contenders uh, for the Champions League. Yeah, without Van Dyke at the back, it's always going to be an uphill challenge for them. He definitely solved a lot of problems that 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 team had. But that front three, especially with Hoto playing well, with Mane and Salah, Mm -hmm. those guys are are really good. It'll be be interesting to see if they can – make a deep run this year. And also about Atalanta, something interesting I heard is that a couple of their top players were kind of having a mutiny against their coach, uh, Gasparini. Really? I heard that uh, Papu Gomez and Joseph Illich were 
they basically said they told off the manager and the manager resigned, but the club just didn't allow him to resign. And after he played Gomez in this game, cause it was a much win game, but that he said that he's not going to play them the rest of the season. So that'll be an interesting team to keep an eye on to see if, if they go down in flames. Um, yeah. The Italian yeah. teams, I don't know. They're, they're kind of crazy. <laughs> they always, they're always out there, always some, oh, out to some funny business. So nothing new in Syria. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's wild to, to hear. Um, right now he is still a coach, but um, that could change uh, by the time we post this episode, who knows? And, you know, um, I definitely know that one of the clubs, one of the big clubs will be monitoring that situation. If they match with Atalanta. Um, and now moving on to Group E, um, Chelsea and Sevilla. Uh, Sevilla, a disappointment that they didn't make it to the Europa League. I, I can tell that that's was that's that's what they were really gunning for, um, trying to get their get their um, make history in the Europa League. But you know they'll just have to settle. Um, moving on to the knockout stages. Uh, and Chelsea um, were solid, um, no losses, um, and they and they look ready to go. Um, they look like they might challenge and um, uh, make a deep run. Chelsea looks scary good right now. I have to say, after a, a rusty start to the Premier League season, they've kind of sorted out their issues on defense. They got a new goalie who actually can stop shots that are shot at him now which is something that they haven't had for two years they only conceded twice in six group games so Chelsea will be a team to watch out for I don't I don't think they'll be getting smacked seven nil by Bayern like they did last like last uh, knockout round yeah and so and definitely the improvements on defense have definitely helped a lot only conceded two games and that has been due to Mendy's uh great work and um yeah, I don't see Kepa. I don't see Kepa having the future. Um, he played in the last game. He conceded. It wasn't his fault, but it just brought up bad memories of him just ball watching and blunders. And yeah, at this point, he just needs a new change of scenery. Probably would be best for both uh, club and player. Yeah. You know, it's a it's a sunk cost. You know, like seventy two million. You know that that sucks. But what can you do? <laughs> There's been worst uh, purchases before. So yeah. Um, Borussia Dortmund and Lazio made it through Group F. Um, it was a it was a little worrying for um, Borussia Dortmund. Um, they were behind in that last game and looked like Lazio might might take it. But um, they pulled out the comeback win, and Lazio ended up tying, and they take uh, the group, which will be definitely be helpful uh, as they make it through the um, um, uh, knockout stages. You know, um, Holland is on his way back if he hasn't already. And um, how far do you see them going? I think. Dortmund can go one of two ways. I think if, if Holland comes back healthy and he's hot, that he could take them to, to maybe a semifinal. But if he's not there, that would be a team I want to play if I finish second in my group because Dortmund are 
They're inconsistent. They don't really have any like killer players on their team. They got they got good players, but they don't have those guys who can just who can take over a game. And yeah. they've just been inconsistent this year. Sometimes they look really good. Other times they look bleh. Yeah, you said you don't. They don't have any like great players. You don't think Sancho is a great player? Not in his current form, not the way he's playing right now, no. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a good player. Don't get me wrong. I would like yeah. to have Sancho on my team, but I I don't see him taking over a, a Champions League knockout tie and and being the best player. No, I don't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know. I think he should have left when he had the chance. I don't know. I just feel like he's at that moment where he's just, like, stagnant. You know, so – you know, probably, hopefully, next season, change of senior might be good for him. So, and Lazio, Serial um, uh, Immobile, who was really challenging uh, Lewandowski um, in the terms of the Golden Boot and ended up winning, um, he's been on a tear. And um, he might be a challenger uh, for the uh, Champions League Golden Boot as well. Yeah, whenever you have a good striker like Immobile, it's, it's always going to be – easier to to brush over some of your holes on your team he's able mm-hmm. to to make up for that um last year have been inconsistent in Syria this year it seems like all the Italian teams have been inconsistent this year so it'll be interesting to see which competition they prioritize last year in Syria they were when they were healthy before uh, everything was shut down for COVID they were in first place and looked like they might challenge for the Scudetto. But since the restart, since the start of this season, they have looked kind of a step slow, a step behind. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they can kind of regain that that magic that made them great the first part of last season. Yeah. Yeah, we will see. Um, they, yeah, they might be a tough out, but, you know, we'll see uh, what who they'll be matched up with. And um, going to Group G, um, we pretty much had, like, the match to decide who would top the group between Juventus and Barcelona. Um, Juventus had lost the previous match with Sans Ronaldo. Um, he, got the, he got that Rona. And um, Morata had a hat trick of outside goals, and Barca came out with the win. But there's a still a chance for them to take the group, and they took it, like, handily. Um, Beating Barca four zero. Uh, if it lasted any more, then we would have probably seen a Bayern rematch. Bayern rematch. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty clinical from Juventus. Our boy Weston McKinney scored a nice scissor kick goal. He's flying Woo! through the air there. That was very poster esque. If I was a if I was a young kid, I'd definitely get that postered up in my room. Just him flying through the air with his with his leg above his head. It was it was quite beautiful. Um, but yeah, they just. Barcelona just aren't they're just a, not a good team right now. They have they have Messi and they have Sergio Dest who also looks like he provides ideas on offense, but the rest of the team is just lost. I they, they got to get rid of Komen. Their their coach doesn't know what he's doing. They're, they're mid-table in, in uh, La Liga right now. I know that they go through you can go through coaches like crazy, but they they need to get rid of him. He he hasn't been a good coach at like the last three teams he's been at. And he's it's not all his fault that Barcelona is not doing good right now, but he's certainly not helping. Yeah. 
I was really surprised that like, oh, the guy who to to pick for your pretty much your rebuilding project was was him. You know, I was impressed by him and um I feel like he's been performing the way um he was expected to, you know, like we we never expected uh Coleman to uh change Barcelona and like it's showing. Um there's no creativity in the game. Um uh, in the game, Messi had all the shots, all seven shots on goal. And you can really see that reliance on a player who has spent the majority of the summer trying to leave your club. And there's no identity going on at, at the moment. Barca, there are I really feel they're gonna struggle this season. On maybe that was hand, maybe it was their plan to uh to fire him after one season. Maybe it was the the president's way to spite Messi and say, Oh, you wanna stay for one more year? Like We'll just give you a, a crap coach and, and see how you deal with it. And then, because I've heard those rumors that they're trying to bring in Xavi to be their coach, but he couldn't be the coach until next year. So they he they just brought in Coleman as like a placeholder. But that's all just rumors, so I'm not sure if yeah. that's that's true or not. Yeah, I don't even think like Xavi can even save that team. You know, he's definitely way too new to be a coach. But then again, Andrea Pirlo is a coach at Juventus, and um, – they, he's got them in contention for a uh, for Serie A, even though they feel like a step behind um, in previous years. Um, it's crazy that how um, we got all these like you know players becoming coaches, and Ronaldo is still scoring like no one's business. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I was, a few years back, I was a I was a little Ronaldo hater. Um, but he he's definitely won me over these these past few years. He's he's a great player. You just gotta stop hating and just enjoy what he does out there on the field. It's it's pretty amazing. And even at thirty five years of age, he's still one of the best players in the world. Yeah, Ronaldo's thirty five, Messi is thirty three. This may have been the last time we saw these two two absolute legends play together. And you know, we just have to appreciate appreciate it because you know you never know when their time is is gone and we had the you know pleasure we had the privilege of seeing them while being alive you know like with Maradona and Pele you know we were born after way after their playing careers and like we could only hear the stuff from legend but now like we're getting to see it you know I know everyone's gonna have their opinions about Messi and Ronaldo but you know just appreciate the two goats while we still can Exactly. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, we are very lucky to see probably two of the top four best players of all time compete at their primes at the same time. And they were in the same league for, for eight or nine of those years. That's just, that's never going to happen again. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Just enjoy the last couple of years while you can. Yeah. So now the final group, uh, group H, I really want to just take a moment uh, we just want to take a minute, you know, and just laugh at Manchester United, if if I may, if you would indulge. Go me. for it. Do do all the, <laughs> do all the laughing you need. <laughs> this team, four games in, were in the driver's seat to make it past the group stage to top the group, but they 
lost um, to Istanbul. And now they lost to Paris Saint-Germain. They lost to Istanbul. And yesterday, Tuesday, they gave up three goals to RP last week. And no comeback would save them. Um, they lost 3-2, and now they are in the Europa League. So, uh, with Leipzig and um, PSG uh, moving on, I... <sighs> yeah. Um, I, will, uh, I would definitely want to credit um, Leipzig for they were not an easy... Uh, they were not a rope pushover, and Many people seem to forget how far they went in the Champions League the previous year. So this was really a group of that. And, um, you know, it was, and one of those teams had to, um, had to, uh, wasn't going to make it. Did you expect it would be Manchester United? At the start of the season, yeah, I would have probably said Manchester United. Uh, midway through, I would have said absolutely not Manchester United. Um, even going into this last game, I probably would have still said they would have made it through. I'm pretty sure they beat Leipzig 4 nothing in the first game. And to, to come out and play like that and to just go down three goals is just – it's soul-crushing, to be honest. Um, uh, Paul Pogba's agent didn't really do the team any favors – couple days before the game he said Pogba this is going to be his last season at United so that can't do any good stuff to the dressing room but I would I'm not I'm glad I'm not only going to Solskjaer he's not going to have his job for much longer he shouldn't have his job for much longer he just no I disagree I disagree listen Man United might not thank me but you know get the contract out Put it on the table. Let him sign it. Let him sign whatever numbers he wants on there, given what he's done since he come in. Oh, you no. may want Manchester oh, United oh, fans to suffer. Always on the wheel. <laughs> you may want Manchester United fans to suffer, but, you know, being impartial as I am, you know, they should definitely move on to a different guy. He just – he's not fit uh, for a club of Manchester United size. He, he doesn't know when to make the right substitutions. He doesn't know how to – display his team in the right format he's just he's a little out of his depth right now yeah and he, he does come, have some good performances you know a squirrel fly, a blind squirrel finds the nut every once in a while but <laughs> he, he just it's time for him to go it's time to go well come on you're talking about the man who has successfully led three straight relegations like come on like you know always at the wheel man he's doing it he's doing his thing Man United are, are back, back into the Europa League. Yep. No, and United yeah. almost always be top two or three in England, and they should easily qualify for the knockouts. A, a team of that size, they need to be doing better. So the people running that club should be ashamed of themselves. Yes. The Glazers need to take a long look of what direction is the club headed to right now. And it's not looking pretty. Um, as what much, is looking pretty, though? Sorry, yeah. sorry, cut you off. What no, is no, go ahead. No. Is that we got seven Americans moving on to the knockout rounds in the Champions League? 
Yeah, I think is that a record? It might be. It probably is a record. Hundred percent, that's a record. Um, and the best part about that is, I would say four or five of them are, are key contributors for the teams. There's mm-hmm. a couple guys who Stefan and uh, De La Fuente. Those guys are kind of fringe players. Probably won't be able to play in the knockouts just because they they aren't first team players. But guys like Christian Pulisic, Weston McKitty, Tyler Adams, Gio Reyna. Mm-hmm. Sardino Des, there's your five. Those guys are are pretty key players for their teams. Yeah, yeah, and it's exciting to see, you know, like the group stage is one thing, but now it's the knockout stages. You know, you're going to have to play a team twice and um, see how well you play in, like, two in two uh, different stages because, you know, one game you might be winning 4-1 and the next thing you might be PSG in 2017 or Barca in 2018 or 19 or, or, or 20. You know what? You know what I'm getting at. But, yeah, yeah. It's, it's really the intense – it's really an intense competition because, like, once you're out, you are out. You, you missed your chance. And it's interesting to see how these players will rise up to the challenge. And this is why we should encourage all, all the good – young players in MLS, all the good young Americans to try to, to push themselves to get to Europe because these guys are paving the way. They're showing that if you give them opportunities, they will produce. And that's only going to be a good sign for the American players going forward because before everyone laughed at us, you know, American soccer players, who are they? They don't, they, they call it soccer. They, they play hand egg. They don't, they don't know how to play real soccer. But only had like one, two players in Europe. And exactly. yeah. Exactly. And now, but now yeah. we're 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 not taking over. Like, don't get me wrong. But we're definitely a lot better than, than we once were. I saw that uh players under twenty three players, we were fourth in the amount of minutes played this Champions mm-hmm. League group stage. So that's yeah. those are our young players, but those are our young good players. So the future's only gonna be brighter from here. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it just tells us uh, about how well they are doing um, in Europe. And it really asks, like, how well are the players doing back in MLS? And we got a good look about how some some of these rising players are doing um, in the uh, El Salvador game that the uh, men's national team played on um, yesterday. Yeah, it was a it was an interesting game. To be fair, it was over after like thirty minutes. It really looked like El Salvador were were just not playing out there. It looked like it was a FIFA game on amateur, where you just <laughs> literally run down the field and, and pass it back to like five guys who are wide open. They they weren't the most formidable opponent. I thought they were going to be a little better. They they had some experienced players on their team. They they averaged something like. 30 caps and to our, I think our players averaged seven caps. Mm-hmm. So I thought they would at least be, you know, put up a challenge defensively, make us work for, for what we were going to get. But they, they didn't really do much. Chris Mueller had a really good game, two goals and an assist. Brennan Aronson had a, a goal and an assist. Two of our, two of our younger attacking players, Aronson's got a move to Salzburg. Hopefully Chris Mueller within the next year or two, we'll, we'll also try to make that jump. Um, was there anyone that stood out for you in the game? Um, 
I do want to mention Paul Ariola. Um, he has been a veteran for the U.S. Um, he came back from an ACL tear, and that's not always easy to come back from. And um, it's good to know it's, it would, that would be a boost uh, for him as he's going to challenge uh, for for a spot. And um, definitely a confidence boost for, for him uh, coming back from an injury like that. Um, and also credit Sebastian Legit. Um, he was the only player to be present all for the games that we had this year. Um, so definitely uh, can see him uh, as definitely can be a contributing factor in the, in the game. I, I am warming up to him, if you may say. So, um, Good. I'm glad you're that, coming around on the legit train. Yeah. He, he definitely looks, he looks solid out there. When he has the ball at his feet, you're definitely thinking, okay, he's going to do something good here. He's not going to like mess it up. He looks calm under pressure. He always takes a good touch, always makes a good pass, and that's nice to see. And I like how you shouted out Paul Ariola. He he brings something a little different to us on the wings. He's not really that attacking threat, although he did score a goal. He scored our first goal against uh, El Salvador. He's more of the the defensive winger who will who will run up and down the field and and do the defensive job. So maybe against a team, a bigger team that that'll have the ball more against us. Um, he could be an option maybe off the bench because you don't always want the same type of players. You don't always want, you know, seven attacking wingers on your side because maybe you need a different look. Maybe you need to switch it up. And I think Ariola gives us that. And I'm glad that he was able to, to come back from his injury. Uh, hopefully he can have a, a good season next year for DC United and, mm-hmm. and make his way back into the USMNT. Yeah. Yeah, and um, yeah, pretty much this game was just like a celebratory victory lap, pat, pat on the back type of type of win for uh, for the U.S. And you know we haven't had much of those um, in common. And you know I feel like it was needed uh, in terms of you know it was definitely a hard year. Um, a bunch of like friendlies uh, got pushed back. You know didn't play. Didn't really start playing again until we only had one friendly in March, and then we didn't play again until um, till November. And you know we didn't get that opportunity to see the see the team gel or see see the team uh, progress during that summer. But um, you know they are definitely made up for it um, with their club contributions, and it just shows you know. Um, and the fact that we can keep talking about players uh, who are still who can still contribute can really really means a lot for for the depth of the team because we are gonna have we're gonna be swamped next year. Yeah, it was it was good to see our our depth come out in full force. Um, you can only beat who the teams who are in front of you. So yeah, El Salvador maybe weren't the best opponent, but they they were the team that was out on the field last night and. The U.S. has struggled with teams like that in the past. I remember last qualifying cycle, they had to go to Guatemala to to win in the pre-qualifying round, not even in the hex. They had to go in the in the pre-qualifying round just to get to qualifying, and they still struggled in that game. So it's not like these games are always 6-0, 7-0 for us. So it was good to see that we were the better team last night, and we, we made that clear very early on in the game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And speaking of the hex, um, we're going to be playing three, um, three games per per 
uh, per international window and compared to the regular two. So it's gonna we're gonna see how how the extra game is gonna take a toll. Um, and compared to the Gold Cup as well, and potential Olympics, and um, what else am I missing? Is it's it's only three? It was that, it was those three, yeah. Yeah. And and this term, it's gonna be uh, an octagonal. Um, yeah. I'm trying. I've heard that some people calling it the Ocho. I think that's a great name for it. There's gonna be there's okay. gonna be an 18 group, so I think the Ocho is is what I'm gonna be calling our qualifying round. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a lot to look forward to in 2021. Um, U.S. ending up with a bang. We're going to have our um, Player of the Year awards. Uh, you know, um, as the year ends to a close, um, a lot to really look uh, forward to and a lot to reflect in, a, in what has been a really strange year in terms of world football. Strange year in the world overall, but yeah. Did you did you see who was nominated for for the men's player of the year? Yes, actually, I did. Um, McKinney, uh, Polisic, um, I believe, Dest, yeah, Dest, and um, there were three more. I think Zardes um, was on there, but to me, it it was it's really between those first two guys. Yeah. If the if the choice isn't McKinney or Polisic that whoever's picking the award needs to go kick rocks. They don't know what they're talking about. Those guys had two really good seasons. Pulisic burst onto the scene with Chelsea. Uh, McKinney played really well for Schalke after the restart, and that earned him a move to Super Club Juventus. And he's been performing well at Juventus. He scored a goal at the weekend for Torino, scored his first Serie A goal with the header. And he scored this weekend in the Champions League. And Pulisic, is, he's still coming back from injury this year, still hasn't fully hit his stride, but he, he showed what he's capable of earlier this year. Um, so if it's, if it's not one of those two guys, I, I wouldn't take this award too seriously. Yeah. Honestly, I feel like it's McKinney's turn. Like he has really grown into, um, he's really grown and like really taking that step, um, that we've been seeing since like 2019 when he was cap, when he was captain, one of the gold cup matches and, I don't, and you know, like you got Morris and you got Zardes and Adams, but like I feel that this is McKinney's to to lose, especially since Pulisic has won it twice. And then moving on to the young uh, player, young male player, you know, we have uh, Brennan Arison uh, with the two goals, uh, Mark McKenzie, um, Eunice um, Musa, um, Chris Richards, and of course, I feel who is going to run away with the award, Gio Reyna. Yeah, to me, it could be it could be a couple of those guys. A lot of those guys are deserving, but Reyna maybe just because he's he's the not the youngest. Musa's like a month younger than him, but he's burst onto the scene for for the biggest club out of those guys, and he's been he's been doing well. Um, maybe not scoring as many goals as I would like, but he's he's still setting up his his teammates and and playing well out there. He carrying on the family name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we will update you on who ends up winning. Um, overall, uh, this I feel like this has been a pretty successful year for uh, U.S. soccer. Yeah, I'm definitely more confident about where their, their program is at now than I was at the start of the year. Um, if you just look at the teams that our players are at um, and or how much they're playing at those clubs, it's just – 
it's gone nothing but but upwards and that's a good trend and i don't see that trend really stopping anytime soon there's a lot of guys who are who are looking to make that next step um reggie cannon moving over to europe this year uh aronson's moving over to europe there's a noise for mckenzie brian reynolds tons of guys hopefully will be will be making that move over to europe and we're not, you know, putting our faith in one guy anymore. We're putting our faith in 10 guys and 20 guys and 30 guys. And maybe all those guys aren't going to hit. Maybe there's going to be some flops. Maybe some guys don't reach the potential that we think they can reach. But if we have enough guys over there, uh, enough of them are going to hit. And hopefully that translate well for our national team. Yeah. And it looks like, you know, uh, we might not be talking um, about the national team, at least for the rest of the year uh, in our future episodes, but we will still be talking about U.S. soccer in general. And that um, brings and that kid and that brings us into a little um, uh, reminder of the MLS Cup that is going to happen on uh, Saturday. Uh, we will definitely be talking about that and just going just a little recap of the playoffs that happened and just uh, the league in uh, general. So uh, please stay tuned for that. Um, and um, anything else you want to mention before we, uh, before we uh, walk off? Um, yeah, that final is going to be on Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, between the, the Sounders and the crew. Um, you know, check it out. Support our, our local league, uh, our domestic league. Um, maybe it's not the best soccer, but it is entertaining. and. Uh, I'll be watching, so I'll I'll give you guys a, a update on what happens if if you don't. Yeah, and of course, you know, if you don't watch it, then come back next time. And until then, um, thanks uh, for listening and uh, take care. See you guys next time.